Hey everybody, welcome to Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here with our lead pastor, Kyle Davies. Check, check on the one, two, with them cool shoes. And you have so much fun with those, and I love it. I don't know whether you're gonna scream, you're gonna rap, or what you're gonna do one week. And I was a rapper back in my heyday. Man, I had the hood up, the windows down, cruising around the town. I'm excited for you to start a sermon sometime with just an opening rap. Uh, You've thrown in a poem, you've had little stories, quotes and everything. At some point, you're gonna have like a little uh, lyrical rap to emphasize a point and drive it home. I'm very excited for it. Um, I mean, you could just start off easy and just copy Lecrae or something one time and say, oh, this is really emphasizes this point, but you know. I would have to cite my source though. I can just claim it as my own, but maybe one of these days. You will walk up there I with will, a, I mean, you do have the Britney Spears mic going on I now. I do. So. I do. I just need that fog machine to, oh. to make to make it happen. <laughs> those lights and those fog machines, man. Oh, we could really yes. put on a good show. Oh, yeah. Because that's what it's about. <laughs> no, that is definitely not what it's about. But... <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> this past weekend, uh, we continued our known series going through Colossians 1. We actually got to the end of it, Colossians 1, 27 through 29. We hit the end of Colossians chapter 1. Kyle, are we done with this known series? We are not done with this known series. We're not. So next week, we're doing Colossians 2, 1 through 5. And yes. that's still a part of the known series. It is still part of the known series. Kyle, you're going to have a fun explanation and talking about some of that, how you're making this series of Colossians 1 go into chapter 2. I don't know if you can count, but I'll make you explain that next week, and we'll get on to that. You just have to stay tuned to figure out what that's all about. I guess so. But we got to the end of this passage this week. And you really took what Paul emphasizes, he more or less emphasizes this in 27 and allows him to lead out into 29. He hits on this idea of the mystery for ages is found in Jesus. And that now because of that, our hope for our rescue and redemption is found in him. And this passage concludes with this emphasis on this concept of the hope of glory, which is Christ in us. And he does this so that we can become mature in Christ. And Kyle, I'm just going to throw us right into the midst of this, right into the scripture and what you talked a lot about this weekend. What does Paul mean by this concept of Christ in you, the hope of glory? Well, you have to go back and look at how I set it up. And I set up this whole series and eventually to look at this couple verses and this point with the idea of we live in a world of faulty maps. And at the end of the day, people, whatever their background, life experience, wherever they come from, will have to figure out how to live well in this world. And in a world surrounded by faulty maps, we can often live as if what we want the world to be like, and so we construct a map on what we hope reality will be. And I use the illustration from Captain George Long on his search for the North Pole, and I concluded this message with saying how the guy who actually made it to the North Pole did so by making a plan based on reality. And so you have this passage, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is this mystery that has been made known. The map that we have to live in our world, the pattern for humanity 
is based on Christ living in us. Because as we look at the example of Jesus, Jesus demonstrates how to be human. He embodies the character and priorities, the way in which we should interact with our world that God originally designed for us to be. There's this quote that says, um, really, that we don't get a be our best picture of humanity by looking at Adam. We get our best picture of humanity by looking at Jesus. And essentially, Jesus did what Adam failed to do. And so, as we live in our world and try to live well, we have to allow and let, and honestly, in some ways, choose to, to let Christ live in us by placing our faith in him. And the hope of glory kind of comment or aside is the reality is, is we will experientially be able to live in a world that one day that is perfect, that is that is has been totally renewed, but we get to live personally that way now. And so that hope of glory, we get to live as part of a redeemed humanity now when we allow Christ to live in us through surrendering to him. And so we have that hope. The glory piece is this, this weighty, this, this almost substance of this is the way it's supposed to be. This, this is perfection. This is, you could say, I think refreshed, that renewal, that, that restoration, a bunch of R words <laughs> right, right there. But you get this sense of this is the way it's supposed to be. And while our world doesn't function as that right now, and we have a, there's a lot of competing circumstances, environments, and maps that are vying for our attention and trying to shape our character and shape our priorities, we actually are able to have a, an effect on the world and begin to make it how it was always supposed to be when Christ lives in us. And so we want Christ's character and priorities to be applied to every aspect of our life. And this is a mystery primarily because of our backgrounds and our stories are all unique. But if Christ were in our shoes and when he, we allow him to live in us, we begin to apply that character and priorities to every kind of unique aspect of our lives. And so it's like, again, we don't all work in the same place. We don't all live in the same place. So if Christ was living, for example, in Vancouver, Washington, in 2020, how might he want to live and express himself through us? And at the other side of that, it's people begin to see basically Christ in us, which is a vision of humanity that invites others to aspire to and plants a hope in their life of, oh, I don't have to be shackled uh, through, through this world, through the brokenness. I don't have to be bound by my circumstances. I do have, in some sense, I can affect a, my will on this world, but the will that's ultimately most effective is the will of Christ living in us. Uh, before we get past this, I want to make you make a point of clarification on this concept of Christ in you. And we're talking about this realistic um, state of the map in which they use it and everything. What does it realistically look like? Because it doesn't, how does Christ in us work? Is it like this physical manifestation? Mm. Is it this spiritual sense of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us? How does this concept of Christ in you 
how do we see this through Scripture and Paul's understanding of what that practically looks like? Well, go back to some of what Paul has said throughout chapter 1, is, is wisdom is knowledge applied. You know, it, it's being able to, to take the wisdom of God and apply it to every aspect of our life. So if Christ, the source of wisdom, John 1 said, you know, Jesus is the word, mm-hmm. which again, for, and for God, when he speaks, he acts. Like, th- there's not a distinction between his speech and his actions. So Jesus being the word is, sim- is simultaneous a level of, of action. So when Christ, is, when Christ is in us, there's a level of, of wisdom that we have, because we have a connection to God through Jesus, we're able to access God's wisdom for how we should obey, what we should choose, how, how we should respond when circumstances, as again, as we're navigating this world, you know, you run in, to, to continue the metaphor of the North Pole, when you begin to run into the rocks of reality, that, that ice that, that confronts you because the world is not what you expect it to be, we have this question of, well, what should I do? Or how should I respond? Or what could I choose? Or what should I choose? When we have Christ in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit, again, we're going to get to this, but God's presence does not have to be mediated. His wisdom does not have to be mediated anymore. We have access to him. And so through the Holy Spirit, we know, and when we go to the Holy Spirit, really in just a very honest conversation of the Holy Spirit, in this moment, what should I choose? How should I respond? The Holy Spirit can give us guidance for, okay, this is the best way to respond, to choose, to decide, to react. Here's how to think uh, in these moments and in these circumstances. And so again, what Christ does because of our access through his death uh, and resurrection and through the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to accurately apply God's wisdom into every aspect Mm. of our life. So again, Christ is the source of wisdom. When he lives in us, we have access to all the wisdom of God. Therefore, we can take the knowledge that we are learning about God, becoming more aware of ourselves, and then begin to apply that in the midst of the circumstances of this life to thus point people to a better vision of humanity and ultimately to Jesus. Mm. So this Christ in you sounds very similar to something you say a lot and you encourage people is what it looks like for us to take Christ's characteristics and priorities and apply that wisdom to our life, a wisdom that is knowledge applied, that affects our everyday action. And we're able to do this through the spirit that helps us endure, who gives us the strength, the patience, the love to be able to live that out day to day. And it's this hope of glory and where we have this hope that God is going to be glorified. He's going to receive honor forever through eternity. God's going to receive it, and we are going to become a part of that kingdom in which it gets honored forever because we live in Christ. Christ lives within us, and we live that out every day. And yeah, and this passage, again, is the capstone of these themes that Paul has been reiterating over and over again here in Colossians 1. You know, go back to verse 10 where he says, you know, I want you to be filled with all the spiritual understanding so that you will walk worthy of the Lord. Mm. It's living a living out, choosing uh, 
to basically manifest Christ in front of other people who aren't necessarily followers of Jesus so that they mm. may see Jesus because we have been rescued from the domain of darkness and been transferred into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And we can trust that th when we are listening and obeying Jesus and his will and his way, that even if the circumstances don't seem ideal, even in the midst of suffering, we can trust that it is right and good because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of a creation. You go back to that <laughs> to that that Christ passage that Paul says in verses 15 through 20. It says, For God is pleased to have all of his fullness dwell within him. And that fullness of, of God been placed in Christ through the access of then Christ being in us, we have access to all of God's fullness. I think it's an interesting uh, point to note that in the midst of this passion, that midst of him kind of wrapping this up, there's this almost statement he makes in here that Paul begins to emphasize this people of the Gentiles. And Kyle, you made a quote this weekend, and it says, what was once given to Abraham as intended to be a blessing to the nations is finally full underway in Paul's mission to the Gentiles. Kyle, what is this emphasis on the Gentiles? Who are these people? What's the implication of this statement mm -hmm. and why Paul is emphasizing this group of people? Mm -hmm. Well, they were a group of people that had to become Jews to have access to God's presence. So these Gentiles, again, are people that God loves, that he wants to be a part of his family, but they had to, specifically in the Old Testament, to go see and be around the presence of God, you would have had to travel to Jerusalem, to mm. the temple. You know, even before that, back in Abraham, it's like there, God's presence is with Abraham. He's going to be a blessing to many nations. And then you see the progression of as the, Abraham's family grows, God blesses them and people begin to go like, oh, God's hand, God's favor on you. How? Who is the God that you follow? And Abraham and his family are continually able to point back, and sometimes better than others, <laughs> back, back to Yahweh, um, back to, to the creator, living God. And this spirals, and again, God chooses a people so that all people can then have access. So he's got to mm. be embodied in some way. But because of this is pre-Jesus, mm. people, the only way they could be in a relationship to God was through really two separate spaces. And so that's where you have the introduction of the temple and God's presence because it's an all-consuming fire and no impurities <laughs> can be around it. And again, people had to realize, and we even have to realize, our own sinfulness before God. There, there, is, mm. a, there is a distance there that can only be reconciled. We can only be reunited to God through an atoning sacrifice. And that's where Jesus comes in for us. But the reason Paul makes this emphasis for the Gentiles is they've been on the outside really watching all these Jews, all this family, and saying that there was a limited access that they had. But because of Jesus, that access is now, is now granted to them. And what Paul is, his special mission is to basically travel the world and saying, hey, you, never ha you no longer have to go to Jerusalem to be around God's presence. Mm. God's presence can be in you because of of Jesus. And that's what the good news is, is you have access to this family no matter where you are, what your background is. Uh, again, pro proximity has changed. The proximity of God's presence has changed. And Paul is going around and announcing this 
to the Gentiles. So the implications for us is, again, no matter what your background is, <laughs> well, where, where you're at is through faith in Jesus and what he has done and how he has basically removed the, the need to have a mediating presence of God, we now have free access to Jesus through our trust and him through faith. And this has actually been promised throughout the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I just want to read a passage out of Jeremiah. So you have this people who are in exile, they're in Babylon, and so they're wandering and they're saying, will we, in some ways, will we ever get back to having God's presence amongst us? Mm -hmm. So you have God's chosen people who are actually removed from the proximity in which where God's presence was. And you have Jeremiah, this prophet, that basically says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So again, those are Jews with the house of Judah, Jews. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. A covenant they broke even though I had married them, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. And so what you have is Jeremiah prophesying of a day of when, again, all people will, will have access to this and to to God. They will, We will be able to know God. Again, we look at the Christ in you, the hope of glory, because there will be a new covenant made, and that's that's in Jesus. And so I read that passage specifically to, to point out God has been working a plan to Jesus, pre-Jesus. Mm. Post-Jesus, we are to continue to live out that message that we can know God, that we can make him known. And how we do that is through inviting all to be a part of the family of God, no matter what the background is, no matter what the story is, no matter who they are, or where they come from, that the people that we even think should be on the outside are invited and welcome to be in connection to God. And I think that that's kind of the last implication of this is the Gentiles were looked at by the Jews as people um, who deserved to be on the outside. That's That was their proper place. Mm. And Paul is able to say, no, they are invited and even welcomed into God's family if they are willing to follow and trust Jesus. And mm-hmm. so that message is what, what we're about. That's why we yeah. started Generations Church is to say, hey, God has not forgotten you. You can know him. And that if those of you who do know him are commissioned to make him known, and as we say around Generations, expand the family. Everybody everybody is welcome. Yeah. Man, that's that was a lot. To take it was in. a lot. It's a lot to take in, but it was some good stuff to take in. And to even note that one of the things you talked about this weekend was that we no longer have to mediate through a temple mm-hmm. in which we no longer have to have a priest that we go to at the temple in the presence of God and atone for our sins because we have Jesus in man who atoned for all the sins past, present, and future to come. We no longer have to regularly go there, sacrifice a lamb or a goat and be washed clean. No, when we go to Jesus and we are found in him, he purifies us. He makes us righteous time and time again. And we see that need grow in the Old Testament. And I love this clarification you made of the Gentiles. 
that basically to be a Gentile means that you were just a non-Jew. It was anyone who is outside of the nation of Israel who is a non-Jew. And we see that God decided to work through one nation to make himself known. And it's not that it was only one nation he was attempting to save. We see throughout the Old Testament, even God wants to bring all nations to know him. There's other kings and nations that are invited in. And I always think back um, to the book of Obadiah. And I'm going back to my minor prophets again. But I think it's so fascinating to think that the book of Obadiah isn't written to the nation of Israel. It's mm. written to the nation of Edom. And if you kind of trace it back, um, back to Jacob and Esau, those two brothers split and created two different nations. Jacob became Israel. Esau became Edom. And what you see here is when um, the nation of Israel is under persecution, the Babylonian Empire comes in to destroy them. The nation of Edom, their ancestral brother nation is sitting on the outside and they're kind of observing and what they end up doing is as the nation of Israel tries to run out of their homeland, run away from the Babylonians who are conquering their nation, they pick them up and they either kill them or turn them back over to the Babylonians and make some profit off them and turn them into slavery. Mm. And they even pick off some of the smaller towns and they get addressed by a prophet who says, God's going to judge you too. The God of Israel is your God too. He's going to judge you mm. based upon what you do. All nations are under this judgment. They have the same hope and love of a God mm. And you're in a part of that too. And it's so interesting to see that it's not just when we get to the New Testament that other nations are invited. God's been inviting other nations, yeah. the Gentiles, people who are non-Israel this entire time. And that's such a great clarification in this whole concept of expansion of God's family. And it goes right back to one of your biggest uh, visions you're passionate about is what it looks like for us to expand God's family. Absolutely. And that's, I love how you set that up there, that God has been working this. He's always wanted more people to be a part of his family. And it just, even the nation of Edom there, and I just, I just keep thinking of, we are held accountable. And no matter who we are, where we've come from, we will all stand before, we'll all stand before God. And the beauty of it is, when we are found in Jesus, when we are invited and included and actually accept being adopted into to the family, God goes, yeah, yeah, they're mine. And, and we, we belong to him and we get to then dwell with him and the forever family yeah. forever. And, <laughs> and, and, and so that's, it's just, it's just such a great thing. And the implication again, for, for all that means when you live, as you go throughout your weekend, as you go throughout your through your day, you're going to see different people. And maybe you don't always see them. Maybe you maybe you just pass by them. But those are people who are, in some ways, on the outside mm. or they're, they're on the, the, the on the inside. And I don't mean that in, a, in like a super like secret knowledge, like inside. Yeah. There, there, there is a distinguish of you are either in the family or you're not. And the, and the, the thing is, is God wants all people to eventually... Mm. be be in his in his family and he has chosen to work throughout the old testament and jesus and then through the new through people to expand his family mm. it was in abraham 
through the nation of Israel, then it's in Jesus, and now it's through his church to say, hey, the the message is still clear. Get others to be in relationship. Mm. The difference in all of that is the location of God's presence. For the nation of Israel, it was in the temple. It was, you know, and again, you can say it was in a place. It was at the smack dab center of where they lived. It was in the center of where they lived. In Jesus, it was in a person. And now on this side of Jesus, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is in a people, which Mm. means, again, no matter where you go, you take God's presence with you when you are found in Christ and you begin to live out the character and priorities of Jesus, you're taking God's presence with you. Yeah. And so, so people have access to God's presence when they come into contact with you and you begin to tell them about Jesus, their mediator, who, who basically enables them to have that right relationship with again so that they can know God. Mm-hmm. You go back to that Jeremiah passage. You know God. You be able to live out his commands. You know, he forgives their sin. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's the day that we, now, that we now live in. Yeah. There's this comforting and cool moment in which we see and even I just kind of sit in this and you kind of process through this, that we see this hope, we see this love, we see God's work in Jesus. And now it's alive in us when we lean into who Jesus is. But it's also, it can almost be overwhelming to think that we go into our world every day and the people we encounter, our boss, our neighbors, the person at the coffee shop, <laughs> our barista, the people on the road, people at the grocery store, anyone that we come across is, as you said, either in God's family or not. And the passion behind who God is is that he wants all people to come to know him, mm-hmm. to feel that love, to hear that hope, to become a part of the family. And one of the cool clarifications is that it's not just Jesus individually in each and every one of us, but he's in the church, this Mm -hmm. corporate believers. That means that we're not alone in this process. It's not just, Kyle, it's not just you who gets to go get everyone here in Vancouver. Correct. It's the collective church, who we are at Generations, the other churches around here. We all work together as one body in Christ to invite and expand that family. And that... I mean that that's that's the beauty of this is it's not all up to us to ha- have that heightened level of responsibility to where it's it's only us. God chooses to use us, and together, as we live little bit by little bit, maybe we see people move and go from someone who is who's very far outside the family mm. to someone who just through different interactions moves them closer. And that's that's again why we have to we have to trust Jesus. And honestly, at, at the end of the day, is it's it's an obedience to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. The worst thing we can do is try to almost manipulate or or make it happen on our own, mm. because what we see in Jesus again, come back to that character and priorities. We see Jesus who says, "Okay, it's it's my Father's will." Uh, to, to do this. Let me give you a specific example. Is Jesus is preached, you know, this fabulous message, and you know, all these people are like looking for Jesus, and Jesus comes back out of a time of prayer and he comes back and says, Okay, now it's time to go to other towns and villages. So again, pastor, preacher, <laughs> if I've got all kinds of towns and villages going like, oh we, we, we want to hear you preach, we want to hear you more. 
my inkling might be like, sweet, like let's let's get this really big venue mm-hmm. and like let's make this happen. But Jesus was so in tune to his father's will, his father said, No, remember, we have other places to go. And and so Jesus is in tune with that and then goes to goes to the other point. There's an obedience to what his father wants to do. So you you begin to apply that to our lives is okay, if Christ is in us. And we are doing our best to follow him and being in tune with the Holy Spirit, then the best thing we can do is be obedient. So that means sometimes we strike up a conversation about faith or spirituality, or maybe maybe you just make a comment about someone's shoes or someone's hair, about how it looks nice, or you know, uh, you know, you're around here, you know, you see someone's dog and you ask them your dog the dog's oh, yeah. name, or something like you you maybe just feel that prompting and you start up some sort of conversation and you know that God has prompted you and you're in your obedience to that. And you don't know what type of interaction that leads to. Mm-hmm. They may pray a prayer in that moment and go like, yeah, I, I want to trust and follow Jesus. And then you invite them and you continue to, to show them what that looks like. Um, and help them get connected to the church. And other times it may just be a healthy conversation that leads to a healthy conversation, yeah. healthy conversation. Like, man, is this ever going to go anywhere? But then something happens in their life. And because you've been a good friend, you've Mm -hmm. listened, that they feel like maybe we can't, they can't talk to anybody else. But because you've listened in the past, because you've struck up a good conversation, that you're the only person that they can come to. Mm. And then there in that moment, you're able to pray with them. You're able to encourage them. You're able to let them know that they aren't alone. And that's, and again, that's what the purpose of God's family is, is to yeah. say, like, we're not alone. We have a creator. We have a provider. We have a redeemer yeah. who, who has not left us in this broken world, but wants to rescue us, live in us, and give us mm. a hope in the midst of this world so that we can have this freedom, we can have this life, and truly, almost again, just, just have this relationship with God, with the life giver, God, and enjoy him and glorify him. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle, I'm going to, I'm going to do something a little different. I want us to kind of, there's this story in which you mentioned of something that happened to you last week. And okay. I want us to use that as a practical illustration of this point of what it looks like um, to almost embrace some of those conversations. You talked about how there's these two people next to you at Starbucks Mm-hmm. They engaged in a conversation about religion and faith, and one of them was kind of more antagonistic against the Christian faith, yeah. um, not necessarily fully agreeing with it, and was being honest with some of his opinions towards it and everything. And you made this comment about you know what you would suggest to that other person sitting in that other seat who's like, I'm a Christian, but I don't know how to articulate this to someone who Honestly, just they aren't there. They haven't maybe just embraced mm-hmm. it, haven't took the story upon themselves. And I'm sitting there and I don't necessarily know what to say in this moment. You made the suggestion that you would encourage them to ask this question. Have you ever tried getting to know Jesus? Mm. Kyle, why is that mm. uh, the question you would encourage in that moment? Uh, maybe have you done this before? Have you seen a result out of this? How do you feel like this conversation would go as a result to mm. this question? I have tried that question before. So, so <laughs> you sent me after. Yeah, I. The reason I suggest the question 
is because sometimes, we, and again, we, we do this in our own lives, but I think sometimes people have made assumptions about what it looks like to follow Jesus without actually ever trying to follow Jesus. And I want to nuance this a little bit. I think that a lot of people have tried to be religious or participate in the life of a church. They have tried to be a good person. But there's a difference between behaviors that try to... That, that you try to sustain a certain level of behavior because that's what's supposed to happen or, or that's what the others around, that's what you see in others around us. But there's not been a, a level of heart change. And I think the question, you know, have you ever tried, you know, try to get to know the real Jesus is because when you get to know Jesus, there's a level of heart change that I really think is just inevitable. I think that. When you see Jesus interact with people, when you read, interact with people, and then not just leave him at a distance, but actually invite and say, okay, Jesus, this is what I see. I need you, I need you some help in my own life. There's an invitation there. There's, a, there's an openness to relationship that invites transformation. Rather than a, yeah, this is the way Jesus is, this is what he's supposed to do, this is what he's supposed to look like, and there's, there's an arm's length distance, and it's like, well, he's, he's got to do something for me before I will ever, whether it's begin that relationship or interact with him, there's, there's, this, there's this hardness of heart that's present, or that's, that's present, but the way that question, to, to turn it around on someone and say, has there been a, a willingness? Is there an openness there? And you're, you're going to know on the other oh, side yeah. of that question of, well, yeah, I, I tried it and this is what happened. But what did, again, what did they try? Like, what did they try? Like, what was it? Why well, I tried going to church and it just wasn't for me. And it's like, okay, you can, you can interact with Jesus. You, you can hear the word of God preached. You, you can begin to understand what it might look like to follow Jesus mm-hmm. But again, I, there's still a distance, a, a, a level of distance there. It'd be like trying to prepare for marriage, and it's like, and it's like the only thing you ever do is um, you you listen to other people talk about the person, and then you show up on the kind of the wedding day, and even after you know on the wedding day, and it's like, oh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. I've heard all these things about you, and there's there's a level of like. Again, other people's perception yeah. of of that person. But again, if if you've got your unique story, your unique your unique background, you're gonna have your own two set of eyes. You're gonna have your own emotional baggage that is gonna affect how you see and interact with that person. And the beautiful thing is, is Jesus meets us where we're at. So when 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 you can ask someone, hey, have have you ever tried getting to know Jesus, what, again, what you're asking them is, is has there been a, a sincere effort to build a relationship with Jesus? And that means in order to do that, there has to be a level of reading the word, not just absorbing the word from a third party. <laughs> there has to be a level of 
sincere prayer. There has to be a level of uh, willingness to change. Because I, I think some of the pushback against it is, again, when you see the character and priorities of Jesus, when he starts to rub up against some of your character and priorities, mm. just like in other relationships, are you going to acquiesce? And not just acquiesce, but are you going to willfully submit to his maybe corrective instruction, which there will likely be some. <laughs> uh, will, will, you, will you say, okay, uh, I don't see how all the pieces fit together. I don't see what the, the end result will be, but I will take that next step and listen to what you are guiding and directing mm-hmm. me to be. And what this means is, is it's not just information about Jesus. It's a life with, and it's an obedience to. And sometimes, again, just our Western uh, disposition is we think that knowledge equals relationship. And there's a clear difference between uh, a relationship really equaling relationship and knowledge equaling relationship. I don't have a better way than that really to say it at the moment as as I'm just processing it is, again... to know mm-hmm. about someone is different than knowing, than, yeah. know, than, than knowing someone. And I, that may be the most plain way to say it. So that question puts the ball in the other person's court to say, has there been an honest and a sincere attempt to go from knowledge about to knowledge of? Mm. Well, even you kind of talking about that whole knowing them from a distance. I mean, you think about some of the practical uh, relationships you have in your life, like with me and Hannah, if I know I can know things about her, I can know uh, how clean she is, I can know about how she deems what quality time is, and for her, one of her things, very clean person, bleaches her is like her go-to thing. She loves it. If I were to walk around the house with my shoes on, walk through the carpet, put my feet on the couch, just leave a mess around the house that's going to rub some friction there. Her, for quality time, it is genuinely like actually having a conversation with each other without distractions. So us just sitting in a room with a TV on and stuff like that going on, that's not a quality time relationship with her. That's going to cause some friction in a relationship. Isn't going to grow. There's no real effort for that relationship to grow um, in quality um, insurance there. And so it's the same with Jesus. If we're just kind of, like you were saying, if we're just kind of sitting in on Sunday, hearing the word, but not really uh, wrestling with it, not really, we talked about meditating on it, where we allow that, Mm. it's not this meditation of emptying your mind, but allowing Jesus to fill your mind and wrestling with the whole thing of how are Jesus' priorities and characteristics, how do they align with our life? Are our characteristics and priorities in sync? Are they going in the same direction? Or are they going off in two yeah. distant ways? And there's this uh, quote in which you used, uh, I don't know if you used it on Sunday, but it's in your little blog that you posted. And it said, sometimes we can give the right answers, but we're still sailing the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Even worse, sometimes we hoist the Christian sail over our boat that's being directed by a mystical map. We use Christianity in order to go where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just going along in our life saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and yet we say that, and it doesn't really line. It's almost um, mm-hmm. practice what you preach. If, yeah. if you're saying, I'm a Christian and everything, and yet you're doing the exact opposite of what Jesus is calling you to, 
are you really trying for that authentic yeah. relationship? And when you invite someone into that, it's more not, not to say like, hey, why don't you try and figure it out for himself? But one of the biggest encouragements I could give is we talk about this being a family thing. Paul emphasizes this, that it is very family. We want to expand the family of God. So what does it look like to ask that question to say, um, have you ever tried getting to know the real Jesus? And depending upon that answer, invite them and say, try and do it with me. Mm. You know, let's do this together. It's mm. not this individualistic thing. Jesus, we talked about, he's yeah. not always an individualistic just in you. He's in all of us as the church and kingdom brought together under him. Well, and that's the beautiful thing is because they may see Jesus's character and priorities come to manifest itself in a certain way in your life. Mm. But when you, you invite them into a community of people who are applying Jesus' wisdom to, your, to, to, to the lives collectively, mm. they will see a people from different backgrounds, different stories, different, again, just, just walks of life that are trying to follow Jesus. And they begin to see how Jesus comes out in all these different avenues and all these different people's lives. So it's like, again, you don't have to have all the right answer. You don't have to... They're not only looking at your life. They begin to look at the lives collectively, you know, again, plural, in the church community and go, wow, this is, this is how this person is, is, is obeying Jesus here. This is how they're becoming more patient here. This is how they're, they're demonstrating love to a tough family member here. This is how you know, they, look, they do their finances this way, a certain way, because as we walk with Jesus, there has to be a level just honestly, a little friction because the, the, the reality is, is go back to the quote that I said is the reason that's such a jarring quote is because if we make God out to be who we want God to be and the God we worship looks a lot like us, thinks a lot like mm. us, votes a lot like us, does our finances a lot like us, <laughs> uh, like does relationships a lot like us, we may not be worshiping God at all. We may actually be worshiping ourselves, mm. And so we try to make God look more like ourselves rather than again getting to know the real Jesus and being willing to become more like him. And when you get to know him, you'll see that he's worth becoming like. Mm. I think at, at the end of the day is Jesus is worth, you know, is someone worth becoming like because, again, it's, it's God's wisdom applied yeah. in, every, in, every, in every aspect mm. of life. And to follow Jesus, that means th there's going to be a level of cleansing that takes place. Again, if God is holy, he's pure, he's good, he's totally good, he's totally right, we've got to be able to admit that there's some impure things within us that will need cleansed and, and removed. Mm. And an ability to be in a relationship with God is, is then the result of being able to be willing to be, to be made into the best possible version of, of yourself. And I and I, I go back to another another prophet that I think is just to reiterate this Christ in you and how that enacts change and the hope that we have in Jesus and how God is talking about with the nation of Israel, what the ultimate vision, what the ultimate reality, what the ultimate end that God is is working towards. Um, and it comes out of Ezekiel. And I was just gonna read a couple of verses. And hopefully, as you hear these verses, you will see some of the themes that we've been talking about 
are consistent with who God has always have been and who he is inviting us to be. And it says just in in chapter 36, starting in verse 22, it says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, talking to Ezekiel, this is what the Lord God says, It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. Again, God's name has not always been represented. Well, it's hoisting that Christian sail, um, but making God into our image. Um, the name that you have profaned among the nations will know then that I am Yahweh, the declaration of the Lord God, when I, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, and I'll bring you into your own land. Again, God's still, still located in place, but he brings people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, into his own family, into into a place, into a location. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all the impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I give you, the land that I gave my fathers, my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit trees and the produce of the field plentiful, that you no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. And just, again, Old Testament got very tangible uh, blessings to communicate in a world that is fraught with idols of nature. No, God is, is present. He does bring blessing. Mm-hmm. He does bring rescue and transformation. And the beautiful thing is, is that we as God's people, when we have Christ in us, we get to express in our cultures and our contexts that the anxiety, that the, the fear, that the doubt, that the uncertainty, that the guilt, the shame that our culture is wrought with hmm. doesn't have to be the way in which we live. That they're invited into a family full of love, full of justice, and full of just a family that has your back because God has our back and he wants to be in relationship with us. And we have access to all that and can bring that to bear in everyday aspect of life because of Jesus.